So we're in this series called Second Mountain, and we're just talking about how often the first half of life is kind of about ourselves. And the second mountain, the second half of life, hopefully becomes kind of a shift towards an other orientation. And this passage we're looking at all month in Philippians 2 is a passage about humility. And God knows we need some genuine humility in our world right now so bad. The passage is about the humility of Jesus and the call on our lives to follow this way of life. So we're talking about what does a life of humility look like? And right now, you know, the racial tensions in our world are kind of top of mind. So I'd like us to consider humility in light of these conversations of race in America. Um, you know, for white Christians, I think there are kind of two common ditches that we fall into when we begin talking about race and the gospel. On one hand, there's this ditch that we're just going to call like the ditch of defensiveness. And in the ditch of defensiveness, um, in conversations about race, you know, you, you say things or you hear things that, that are kind of like this. Um, well, I know that slavery was a thing, but I wasn't there. Right? I wasn't actually there. I didn't actually own slaves. And so... Uh, I'm not guilty of that. Why would I repent of something I'm actually not guilty of? Okay, we're going to call that the ditch of defensiveness. Now over here, another ditch I think that we can fall into in conversations about race and the gospel is what I'm going to call the ditch of shame. <laughs> the ditch of shame is basically I see that racism still exists in our world, and I see that I have been a part of a privileged group of people, and I am immobilized by just feeling terrible about that. I just feel horrible all the time. Now, what does our passage in Philippians say to these two ditches? And what is like a gospel vision in the face of the racial tensions facing our world today? All right, first of all, in the defensiveness ditch, our scripture passage says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, it's common in the defensiveness ditch uh, to have the idea that, you know, I'm not racist. I'm not personally racist. And sure, maybe this country owned slaves once upon a time, but I wasn't there for that. I've never owned slaves. I never did those things. Now, 
It's interesting because a gospel vision, the gospel tells us that something did happen a long time ago that I wasn't present for, that I actually wasn't there for, that has impacted me. You know, the large story of the Bible begins in original goodness, that a perfect triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit says, we want to widen the circle and creates human beings in their own image, right? In the image of God, they were created, male and female. And there's this perfect garden in the first scene of this large story we live in. Everything is as it should be in the garden. And then Adam and Eve, the first humans, eat of the forbidden fruit. And at that moment, sin enters the world. Things are no longer the way they ought to be now. I wasn't there for that. I wasn't actually in that garden. I didn't actually eat that fruit. But that original sin has impacted me and our world nonetheless. And so that's the first scene, right, in the Bible, original goodness. And then theologians often call it original sin. Sin entered the world, and we weren't present for it, but it still impacts our world. And of course, the story doesn't end there, because then God sends Christ as our rescue. That's the next part of the big story, is that God sends Christ as our rescue. And because of the person and work and death and resurrection of Jesus, God makes a way for you and I to be restored to him. God makes this way in Jesus for you and I to actually be forgiven and restored and redeemed. And we don't access that in defensiveness, and we don't access that in shame. We actually access that in humility. When we come to the work and ministry of Jesus and we say, there's nothing I could do to earn that. There is nothing I could do to deserve that. I'm not giving God my laundry list of like moral great things that I did or all the smart stuff I think or all the ways I've loved others. I'm actually throwing myself utterly and completely on the mercy and grace of God available to me in Christ. And when that happens, I'm fully forgiven. I'm fully set free. When that happens, I begin a relationship with God now that lasts into eternity. And I walk every single day knowing I hold the hand of the one whose love for me knows no limits. So that's what Jesus did. He comes, this rescue plan to restore us to God. And of course, then the story doesn't end there because then we are invited not just, you know, to be blessed so we feel good about ourselves, but to be a blessing. We're invited to join God in waging peace in this world. We're invited to, you know, to be restored in Christ and then to work for restoration in this world, to, to work to bring about the shalom and the flourishing that existed in the garden for all. 
And so this is the large story that we live in. So when I find myself caught in the ditch of defensiveness, hey, I wasn't there. Maybe, just maybe, just because I wasn't there doesn't mean I haven't been impacted. Doesn't mean my world hasn't been impacted. Similar to original sin, I've been impacted. My world has been impacted. And so maybe the sins of slavery have impacted me too. Have impacted my world too. And you know, here's the thing. I don't need to be defensive about this because you're not being asked to like give up your power in some random way. You're actually being asked in this large story to use your power in service of others, right? You're joining God in this big mission he's on to redeem and restore all that's broken in the world. And so sometimes I think the defensiveness might come from like, oh, you know, what am I giving up here in my power? You're being asked to use your power, whatever power you might have, in service of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others to work for justice and flourishing for everyone. And there's enough mercy there's enough grace for all of us. So may you, when you find yourself in the defensiveness ditch, may you humble yourself as Jesus did. And now, let's talk about the, like, the shame ditch, the guilt and shame ditch. This is the ditch that just is like, oh, yeah, I know there's a problem, and I'm so totally immobilized in my feelings, like I'm a horrible person. Well, our passage says this to those of you stuck in the shame ditch, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus made himself nothing, and God exalted him. So when we find ourselves, like, drowning in the ditch of shame, remember that the gospel creates like the, the most grounded, healthy version of human identity. Because on one hand, you know, Jesus had to die. That's how bad our sin was. Like that kind of keeps you from arrogance. But then like he willingly did so. God exalted him to the highest place. This lifts you up. Like there's no room for insecurity in that reality. There's no room for wallowing in self-pity and in shame. 
If you find yourself in the guilt and shame ditch, beating yourself up about race in America or about anything else for that matter, those feelings of like persistent shame are actually data that like maybe the gospel has some more work to do in you. Maybe the gospel has some more work to do in me. Because Christ has set us free and the gift of salvation that's available to us in Jesus is the gift of freedom. Right? Freedom from guilt. Freedom from shame. Freedom to live into like a healthy self-concept. One where there's no room for arrogance and where we remember the high cost that Christ paid. And also there's no room for insecurity because we remember that, yeah, God loved you that much he willingly went to the cross for you. That's how much he loves you. He'd pay any price. So it's like one, you know, one keeps you from insecurity and, and one keeps you from arrogance. So when you find yourself in that ditch, may you humble yourself as Jesus did. Because here's my hope and my prayer specifically for um, those of us who are white Christians seeking to follow Jesus in this moment, civil rights um, uprising moment. My hope and my prayer is that we would follow Christ in letting the gospel like spiral deeply enough into us that we develop like a, a healthy white racial identity in Christ. Now, identity is given. It's bestowed. It's not like you get that identity because you read enough books and you watched enough stuff. You did enough work and therefore you achieved this identity. Identity is given. It's, it's bestowed. And then we live into it. We live out of it. So the scriptures say, like, you work out your salvation in fear and trembling. But it's given, like Christ did it, and it's bestowed upon you. And then, you know, I just hope and I pray that we would follow Christ in laying down our lives for others without defense and without shame. And we would follow Jesus in that way. And I pray that we together as a, as a people, like Platt Park Church people, that we would together pray on earth as it is in heaven. What is that vision on earth as it is in heaven? In Revelation, we read this like vision for what it, what's the world going to look like when all things are redeemed, when all things are restored. What's that vision of heaven? What's that picture? And this is what we read. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the picture. Here's the thing, every nation will be there. And the scriptures, when John is writing, it's, and I see every nation is there. So the vision is not, you know, when we pray like on earth as it is in heaven, it's not a colorblind vision that does not see color. 
in heaven, John's like, every nation and every tribe, it's going to be here. We will see color, but there will be no prejudice. We will see color, but there will be no racial inequities. All inequities will be made right. So to pray, you know, God, on earth as it is in heaven is to see people and to see color and to value people and to value experiences and to seek to break down the dividing walls of hostility in our world wherever they exist. So let's just like apply these ditches and this gospel vision to a scenario. Imagine with me for a minute that you are in the grocery store with your white four-year-old daughter. And while you're at the grocery store, all of a sudden she sees someone and, you know, she just basically kind of pretty loudly um, says to a woman who is black in the grocery store, look at her, her skin is dark. And you're the parent in that moment. If you are in the defensiveness ditch, what you probably do in that moment is you sort of like quickly say to this four-year-old daughter, like, don't say that. And you scoop her up and you put her in the car and you could like get out of there as fast as you can. So you're kind of defensive and, you know, want to leave the situation, want to flee. If you're in the guilt and shame ditch, you might say, don't say that, that's not nice. Honey, that's not nice. And in doing that, right, you're um, kind of, you know, subtly communicating to her. Race is not something we should talk about. And it's definitely something that should be avoided. Right? It's not nice. But if you have an identity that is rooted in the gospel, then you know it takes all people to fully image God. Like we have an incomplete view of God unless it includes all the people in whom the Imago Dei rests and lies. And so if you have like a, a, an identity rooted in the gospel, if you have a healthy white racial identity and you're a white parent that moment in the grocery store happens you know obviously that's awkward you know so you're gonna feel that you're but you're gonna take a deep breath and you're gonna probably say honey I want to remind you it's not polite to point but you're right she has beautiful brown skin because it's not wrong that she noticed that and it's not wrong that the woman's skin is black. And so when you are developing into that identity, it removes that shame. It removes that defensiveness. Because I am seeking to raise the kind of children. I'm seeking to become the kind of person. I'm seeking to build the kind of world that sees people, sees color, values people, seeks justice for all people. And is not afraid. That there is no fear. You know, it's like every week when we gather and worship, we come to the table of communion. It's the centerpiece of our gathering. 
And it is entirely possible, you know, to come to communion, to approach this table where God is handing out mercy and grace and to just like sidestep these gifts that God's trying to give because of defensiveness. It's entirely possible to approach this table and just like sidestep these gifts that God wants to give, to bestow upon you and I because of shame. Right? Like in one scenario, I'm just, I, here's the thing. I want us to receive our identity here. I want you and I to be nourished and strengthened here at the table over and over and over again. And like it's just spiraling deeper and deeper and deeper into me. And when I realize like, oh yeah, there is some defensiveness in me, opportunity for the gospel to go a little bit deeper. And when I realize like I'm operating out of shame again, opportunity for the gospel to like go a little deeper in me. And here at the table where we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it's like God is saying, I have these gifts for you. These gifts of mercy and grace and forgiveness and healing and nourishment and strength. And I want to give them to you. It's interesting, like when you know when you're starting a small business, there's this phrase, what are the barriers to entrance? <laughs> funny phrase, but like, you know, if you're going to start the small business, what are the barriers to entrance? Like, you know, do you not have enough money? Do you not have enough skill? Do you not have enough education? Do you not have whatever you need? It's a barrier to entrance. It's almost like we're coming to the table and God is like, I have these lavish gifts for you. And then defensiveness and shame. It's like these barriers to entrance. And, and God just wants to be like, just, just come. But you know how we come? It's in humility. How we come is by throwing ourselves up utterly and completely on this grace and mercy available to us in Jesus over and over and over again. And actually, like, when I'm defensive, I, I, I can't, it's like a barrier. To, I can't receive that gift. Like, when I'm so in my sh shame loop, I just, I, God wants to give these gifts. And what we do, our response is, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, it's the only way. It's the only way is throwing myself utterly and completely on the mercy and grace of Jesus over and over again. Simone Weil said, compassion directed toward oneself is true humility. And Jesus has shown us the way. Like you will not be able to authentically extend compassion to another Unless you can extend it to yourself, yeah, I got some defensiveness. Yeah, yeah, I feel pretty horrible. And that compassion directed towards self, that's true humility. Because that's where I'm saying once again, God, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. You're my one defense. You're my righteousness, right? We sing about that. It's just, I need you, God. Let's pray together as we close. God, where else can we go? You and you alone hold the, the words of eternal life. The words of life for our tired and weary souls. You, God, who being in very nature, God, send Jesus.
who made himself nothing, took the nature of a servant, humbled himself, became obedient to death. And God, you have exalted him to the highest place. You've given him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue would confess. May we live into this vision and into this identity as citizens of your kingdom, we pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.